are all miracles and must make the most of our limited time here. Each of us have these unique gifts to contribute to the world. And it's our job to develop these gifts and give them away. That's why I created the Preschool SLP podcast. The Preschool SLP is about working smarter to create real change in ourselves and in others. Being an SLP is a mission. Let's discuss topics that matter. What are the game-changing strategies? How can we treat the whole child? How can we create the shiniest versions of ourselves and of our clients? We're here at the drawing board for a reason. You bring your own unique gifts. Together, let's create better. If you work with preschoolers with special needs or preschoolers at risk for special needs, this is an episode you simply cannot miss. We are going to talk about behavior. And specifically, we're going to talk about behavior intervention that works. What are we talking about today? We're talking about SEL, which is known as social emotional learning interventions. And what the research indicates is when you add these social emotional learning interventions to preschool level intervention, your improved outcomes in socialization skills, as well as a reduction in problem behavior. And not only are you going to find a nice, substantial, improved outcome, and when I'm talking about improved outcomes for children at risk for special needs, you're looking at half a standard deviation on average. So half a standard deviation improvement in social emotional skills, half a standard deviation improvement and reduction in problem behaviors. That's what we're looking at. This is substantial. We're talking about 38 preschool age studies that studied SEL, and this is almost 16,000 preschoolers. And what they found is they found a medium effect size, meaning almost a half a standard deviation improvement in social emotional skills and almost half a standard deviation improvement in a reduction in problem behaviors. What's really special about SEL is that the effect persists, and the research indicates that children at 18 years of age show benefit from SEL interventions that were provided at the preschool level. Now, that's huge. So this research is not only about the immediate benefits that we talked about, improvement in social-emotional skills, improvement in socialization skills, reduction in problem behaviors immediately, but the research indicates that these preschool-level interventions, impact can persist into adult age. So they're, they're finding that children at 18 years of age that had the SEL preschool-level intervention are more likely to graduate from high school. They're more likely to go into college. They're more likely to have less problem behaviors. They're more likely to be healthier. So 
the impact of these preschool level SEL interventions is not only immediate, it's persisting into age 18 years. So that's why we care about social emotional literacy, especially if you're working with children with special needs. When we're in the field of speech language pathology, unfortunately, it's not talked about enough. And this is why I say you need to have wandering eyes in this field. You're not treating a mouth and you're not treating an ear. You are treating a child. And communication impairments are multifaceted. The research indicates that children with communication impairments are more likely to have behavioral and social challenges. So we want to treat the whole child. And I'm going to show you exactly what I do in therapy and in a large group classroom setting to treat the whole child. So first, we're going to talk about social emotional learning. And social emotional learning has five components or five areas to be concerned with. The first area is self-awareness. Second area is social awareness. Third area is self-management. Fourth area is responsible decision-making. And the fifth area is relationship skills. We're looking at the basics of how to be a good student. So what rules do I teach these children at the preschool age? How do I incorporate social-emotional learning into my Monday morning clinical practice? I break it down into five rules. So when I'm looking at the first component of self-awareness, my rule is that the children pay attention. So what I have the children do is make binoculars over their eyes. You can see this if you're watching the YouTube video. And I say, take out your binoculars. And they put the binoculars over their eyes. And I say, did you pay a attention. And then we hold up our hands in two check-like formats and say, check. Now what this does by holding the hands over our head in the air is we're stimulating the vagus nerve. This is a celebratory emotion that elevates dopamine levels. Remember when dopamine levels are elevated, children are more likely to remember the event. It becomes more memorable and it accelerates learning. So then I go to the second rule. The second rule is hitting social awareness. And that is, did you get out your telephones? I tell them and we go, ring, ring, ring. So that's before I go into the rule, I'm getting, I'm using an anticipatory prompt. I'm having the children physically prepare themselves for the rule. They're thinking about the image of what we're going to talk about. And they're using their physicality which will really optimize gains. If you're using gesture cues, what my research has indicated is that it's much more powerful than picture cues. The hands are connected to the brain. So I say under social awareness, bring, bring, answer every single. And then we put out the two check marks. Did you? Now they're going to go and self-reflect and self-monitor. Did you? Yes. Check. And once again, our hands are over our heads because we're stimulating that vagus nerve. We're elevating the dopamine levels and the celebratory universal posture. Number three, I'm going to say, let's look at whether you make big muscles. And we're going to look at whether they, this is going to be self-management. 
Do they work super hard? So I have them make big muscles and they kiss their muscles. They say, did you work super hard? So this is really about effort. And some people I've seen on social media be like, play isn't effortful. And I say, that's not the case at all. There's a lot to be said about effort. And the research indicates that giving encouragement to effort is very powerful and it produces better outcomes. And for our children with special needs, the truth of the matter is they're going to have to work exponentially harder than their neurotypical peers. Effort is what's going to bring about success, this development of self-efficacy. So to people that say that teaching children that effort is not good, That is emotionally based practice. There's no research behind that. And it's detrimental to practice because the research indicates the opposite to be true. The evidence-based practice says that encouraging effort is awesome. That's the best thing you can do. So encourage effort. When children are working super hard, note it. Say you're working super hard because they're going to need to work hard to be successful. And that's okay at the end of the day. That's a great thing. That's called self-efficacy. So we make big muscles and we say, did you, and they kiss their muscles, work super hard, check. And we raise our hands over our head, making the checks. Once again, elevating the dopamine levels, stimulating the vagus nerves. And that means we're optimizing learning. Okay, let's look at the next rule, rule number four. So there's five rules. This tenant we're looking at is responsible decision-making. Did you, and we're going to chop the wood, they chop their hand. Did you follow every direction? So this is responsible decision-making, making a choice to follow every direction, even if that's not what the child wants to do at the time. And then we ask, did you? And then we say, check. And once again, you're stimulating that vagus nerve with your hands over your head, making the check marks back and forth. And the last rule, we're looking at the last core component of SEL, and that is relationship skills. Now, this becomes very important because so many of our children have sensory issues. And if the children are touching other children, you're going to have fireworks. We have sensory seekers, sensory avoiders, the two of them together. You're going to have children crying. You're going to have fighting. You're going to have tantrums. It's going to be really, really bad. So rule number five. We make a nest with our hands. We interlace our fingers. See the nest. Wow. Did you keep your hands to yourself? Then we say, did you? And then they hold up their hands and say, check. So that is the final rule. Did you keep your hands to yourself? So what we looked at is I incorporated in my rules, and these are the rules that I go through at the end of every single therapy session. I go through these rules, and then at the end of it, I have a treasure box. Now, I don't want you to think about an external locus of control. That's not at all. The treasure box is an artifact. And the treasure box is a way of saying that these are five things that you did and you get to be a tre- you get to pick a treasure because you follow these five rules and then you get to bring it home and show your parent the treasure and tell them why you got these five rules. 
Now, the treasure is either going to be a writing utensil, it's going to be a nature piece, a rock, or something of that nature that encourages learning or that encourages the child to love nature. And the children love it. So they pick out their treasure and they're very proud of themselves. This is simply an artifact that makes all of these abstract socialization rules real. This is their, yes, I did all five things. So that is how I work the system. Now, the same thing I do in group, and I follow the positive behavior supports heavily research-based approach. Now, always evidence-based practice. I've heard people also on social media say positive behavioral support systems are bad. And why? Because I said so, because it focuses and it fosters an external locus of control. Well, the research indicates contrary. The research indicates that positive behavior support systems are great for students. They're great for teachers. They're great for schools. This is a highly evidence-based practice. At the end of the day, whatever you do, you have to not do it because someone said so. You have to do it because you have the numbers to support it. You need the scientific data to support what you're doing. What we're doing is too important for it to be based on hearsay. Getting into that research, what I do when I'm teaching a large group, if you're a classroom teacher, this is how I would do it. In the beginning, we go over these five rules and these five gestures. I have something such as listening spray, which is a water bottle with spray in it. And I put little stickers and I decorated and I wrote listening spray on the, the bottle. And I spray the children at the end when we go through all the rules. Or I might have magic dust, which is sprinkles of glitter. And on the cover, it says magic dust. And I decorated it all cool. So they actually think it is magic dust. And I go around and I sprinkle magic dust on them after we go through all the rules. So when we're in a group setting, I don't bring out a treasure box because that's so time consuming. But I do have a spray bottle. I do have magic dust. And I also have foaming sitting glue, which is hand sanitizer that produces foam. So another thing you could do is use bubbles sometimes. And we have magic bubble wand that we do over the children. What I'm saying here is that this is how you take social emotional learning, which is what our children really, really need. Because the research indicates that the children that are at risk for special needs, these are the children that most benefit from this approach. These are the children that are most likely to have social and behavioral challenges. So this is something that you don't want to overlook. This is something that you really want to incorporate into therapy. You really want to incorporate into the group settings. If you're like me and you do both classroom and one-on-one therapy, you want to do it in both settings. I talk a lot about emotionally-based practice and evidence-based practice because this is high stakes. What we're doing here is going to impact the next hundred years of the lives that your children service. So social emotional learning is one of those game changers. It really matters. It makes a difference immediately. It makes a difference when the child's 18 years old down the line. Educational policy needs to be based on evidence, not on emotional reasoning. What's going on right now? If we look at the latest American Psychological Association newsletter, the Monitor, right now we are looking at eight states looking to ban or limit 
social emotional learning. And why is that? Because they say it has to do with critical race theory. And it has nothing at all to do with critical race theory. It doesn't have to do with gender. It doesn't have to do with economics. It doesn't have to do with orientation. It simply has to do with being a good student, learning the foundations of how to be a good student. And it's highly effective. So what I'm talking about here at the end of the day, we're talking about half a standard deviation improvement in pre-scores in social emotional skills. We're talking about a half a standard deviation improvement in reduction of problem behaviors. This is good stuff. This is changing lives. You have to be educated. And if you're going to take a stance on educational issues, if you're going to take a stance on educational policy, if you're going to take a stance on what is evidence-based practice, be ready to show the numbers. Do the research. Everything I share on this podcast, if you ask me any question of anything that's been shared, I can show you the numbers in a couple of minutes. Give me a minute or two and I'll give you the peer-reviewed research article to support it. Give me a minute or two, and I'll give you the random controlled study to support it. Give me a minute or two, and I will give you the meta-analytic research to support it. Give me a minute or two, I will give you the large and longitudinal research to support it. That's what needs to drive educational policy, not emotions. Emotions tend to have the opposite impact in which emotions are actually going to be detrimental to innovating practice. They're going to be detrimental to changing lives. They're going to take us back in time instead of moving us forward. And one last note, if you are a CIS member or if you are thinking about becoming a CIS member, join today because this Friday I'm going to send out the visuals for these rules so that you can implement them into your classroom or you can implement them into your therapy sessions. I'm also going to share a video clip to show the gestures that I use with each of these rules so that you can easily share that with parents as well. So I want you to take all of this information, roll up your sleeves and make the world a better place. One child at a time. You are always going to be first. 